Welcome to the Middle Church Podcast, a multicultural, multi-ethnic, intergenerational movement of spirit and justice, powered by revolutionary love with room for everyone. No matter where you are, how you look, or who you love, we pray this podcast will help you on your journey. Here's this week's sermon. Womanist theologian Yolanda Pierce says that her grandmother taught her that Jesus consistently did three things. Healed people, told stories, and fed people. Jesus falls right in line with Dr. Pierce's grandmother's observation today in a story about healing. If you've worshipped with us the past couple of weeks, you've been moving through the New Testament book of the Gospel of Mark with us. Last week, Jesus came into the world and Jackie led us through a beautiful sermon about repentance. And this week, in Jesus' first public appearance in Mark, he shows us not who he is just in word, excuse me, he shows us who he is not in word alone, but also in action. He taught as one having authority, the story tells us. You know, some people just have that They're charismatic, they're magnetic, they walk into a room, open their mouth, and you're like, okay. They elude and wield authority, kind of like Jackie. (laughs) But but we're we're talking about Jesus. (laughs) But much like today, it was the Sabbath. Crowds came to the synagogue to learn. But on that particular day, there was a new man in town. And unlike the scribes, who were held as the religious thought and legal leaders of the day, Jesus of Nazareth was on the scene, and folks were just beginning to learn what he was all about. As the text read, suddenly a voice from the crowd shouted out, What have you to do with us? We know who you are. And it wasn't just any voice. It was an unclean spirit. Don't you find it interesting that the first Thing that recognizes Jesus for who he is in the Gospel of Mark is an unclean spirit. Not a person, not a disciple, not a scribe. An unclean, a little bit mysterious spirit. Do you think anyone knew that the unclean spirit was there that day? Likely not. By religious law, it would have made the entire synagogue unclean. But it was there, and its question rejects any kind of community. What have you to do with me? And the plurality of the question is also so interesting because it shows us that we're not just talking about an individual unclean spirit, but more than one. What have you to do with us? The word for unclean is, in Greek is akarthatos, you may recognize the word catharsis in there, as in release. All that's pent up, finally getting out, dancing. All the things that were mentioned this morning, climbing, these things can be cathartic, playing, singing. But the little a at the beginning of the word here is a negating prefix that makes this word the opposite of catharsis. Akarthatos, meaning all the negative feelings, all the negative energy, all the anger, rage, everything that's trapped inside 
can't get out. That's what we mean by unclean spirit. Negativity trapped inside, not able to get out, removed from community from which it's supposed to be, dehumanized, marginalized. So when we say unclean spirits, we mean anything that is destroying human life. Have you come to destroy us? What have you to do with us, Jesus? Everything. Absolutely everything is Jesus' response, demonstrated by his removal of the unclean spirits from the man's body in a way the Greek describes as loudly convulsing and shaking and falling. These spirits came to the synagogue and got right in the face of Jesus, didn't they? And we know it's true that even our most holy places aren't exempt from things that destroy human life. Unclean spirits take up residence where? Yeah in our schools, in our relationships, in our houses of worship, in our homes. Some of you have heard me share this nugget of truth from a seminary professor of mine, the late Reverend Dr. Katie Cannon, who wisely said that justice starts in the bedroom. We can't act like there's anywhere exempt of that which harms human life, and we have to start with our most intimate places to first name the thing and then work to free ourselves from it. I'm also really struck by the demons fighting. Are you? They gave up a loud fight. That's okay, it was appropriate. It was loud, <laughs> perfect. They gave up a loud fight. And I'm wondering if I'm struck by that because I see that playing out today. When forces of evil, be they occupation, transphobia, sexism, imperialism, anti-Semitism, are even in the proximity of God, they are threatened. And they don't go down without fights. That's why after 9-11, we saw a rise in Islamophobia. After October 7th, we've seen a rise in both Islamophobia and anti-Semitism. It's why every time the goodness of God calls out the demons of white supremacy, white people put up a fight. We do this so often, academic Carol Anderson has a whole book on it, a whole name called White Rage. From Anderson, since 1865 and the passage of the 13th Amendment, every time African Americans have made advances towards full participation in democracy, white reaction has fueled a deliberate, relentless rollback of gains. The end of the Civil War and Reconstruction was greeted with what? Black codes and Jim Crow. The Supreme Court's landmark board versus education was met with what? Shutting down of public schools. Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act, which followed, triggered the coded response of the so-called Southern strategy and the war on drugs that disenfranchised millions. And there may never be more examples of white rage than all the nonsense let me say domestic terrorism, white people have done in the wake of this country electing a black president. I'm talking Donald Trump, 
January 6th, continual rolling back of voting rights, and our investment still in this twice impeached $84 million owing forerunner of the Republican Party. Unclean spirits are threatened in the proximity of God, and they fight. One of the ways we're fighting right now is in our inability to agree on what is unclean. We guise it in semantics sometimes, don't we? How do we talk about what's happening in the Middle East? Can we call it this? Can we call it that? Can we ask for this? Can we not ask for that? I'm not saying definitions and standards aren't important. I am saying that we often focus on the wrong things. Can't we agree that bombing of children is not okay? No matter what we're calling it or who's doing it. Can't we agree that raping people is not okay? No matter who did it or why. Can't we agree that pillaging Sudan and the Congo and Gaza for resources and power and whatever is not okay? Can't we stop asking with the evangelical faux pro-life crowd, when does life begin, and agree instead that people should have the agency to make decisions about their own bodies? Can't we agree that we need to work just as hard at defunding our racist police state as we do at freeing Palestine because that work is connected? Do you see how we're fighting today? And yet God is calling us to something totally different. So what if we focused rather on where we agree than where we differ? Not in some false performance of unity, that is not helpful, but in a deep, soulful questioning of what really matters and how do we get there. When we are captive to unclean spirits, we are less than human. Enslaving forces destroy humanity. Now, Jesus' exorcism did not and does not eliminate evil and oppression, as stated in our list above, but it does deny those forces authority over our lives. And that is the very important piece. There is a new way in town. Oppressive, dehumanizing forces do not hold authority in a world created by and being created by God and therefore us. Every time we cleanse ourselves from unclean spirits, we are returning to God. Every time we rid ourselves from these festering evils, we remember our identity. Remember the beautiful sermon Jackie preached at the beginning of the year, the baptism of Jesus and our own Thiek Milan. Every time we rid ourselves of forces that destroy human life, we remember that we are beloved, always have been, always will be. As the Greek for unclean is akarthatos, we also hear the word cardiac, right, or heart. And friends, these are very matters of the heart. 
our love muscle. Sometimes our hearts are tired. <clears throat> Have you been feeling tired lately? But like by all measures of the counts, you're doing the right things, you're drinking the water, you're sleeping, you're walking, <laughs> right? Doing the therapy, you're coming to worship, but you're just generally exhausted? Is it just me? And I'm trying to chalk it up to so many things. Oh, it's, the, it's January, it's the rain, it's the four kids. Okay, it's probably the four kids. <laughs> Staying out too late that one night. But it's also this. When there are overwhelming systems and powers that are unclean around us, we are dysregulated. And we are tired. Our heart muscles are tired because we're not supposed to function like this. And there's only so much we can do every day to take care of our hearts and to release that which we can. We're not supposed to bear witness to ongoing genocides. We're not supposed to have the two options we have for the presidential election. This is an election year. And be told that we have to choose to vote for one of them because that's the best we can do. White rage makes people of the global majority exhausted. Can we stop that, white people? And while I have deeply enjoyed getting to know so many new neighbors, migrants who've made their way to the East Village because St. Bridget's Church on East 7th and Avenue B is an intake center for adult men, and Sam is part of leading the volunteer efforts there and is doing an amazing, amazing job. It is actually emotionally exhausting to walk by fellow humans standing in the snow and rain every day, hungry, cold, and tired, because we have a mayor and a governor who have not figured out a sustainable solution. Systemic unclean spirits make us systemically tired because our hearts hurt. So if there's a word for me today, and perhaps it's a word for you too, it's that not only can God speak into the unclean spirits in my body, and in yours, and in yours, God can speak and silence all of the unclean spirits. The web of, equal, of evil that exhausts, dehumanizes, dysregulates, and oppresses. Does this man in our story come with that spirit of repentance like we heard about last week? Like Jesus kind of asked us to come with last week? No. <laughs> he comes as he is actually a little nasty to Jesus. And still, Jesus heals him. Because Jesus does whatever it takes. God does whatever it takes. And that's why the entire story of the Bible is important. That's why you keep coming back, right? God shows us all the ways God accomplishes her purposes. We can show up ready. We can show up repentant. We can show up nasty. We might not even show up at all. The end game is still the same. 
Jesus' desire for us, which is from God and is God's, is that we are whole. That we rebuke and denounce all that is unclean, all that distances us from the goodness of God, and that we, our very selves, are free from all that dehumanizes us, marginalizes us, belittles us, makes us feel less than divine. In God's world, there is no room for oppressive forces that weigh us down. There is no place for people to be living in hell on earth. And isn't that what we pray every Sunday? When we pray the prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray, la, 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 and deliver us from evil. Right? We pray it every Sunday because it's ongoing. We pray it as practice. We pray it as hope. We pray it as power. It's not easy for us to come out of ourselves, is it? But Jesus loves us so much that he's able to help us get there individually and together. Do we have the courage to come out of ourselves? To see what's possible on the other side of dehumanization? In writing about the despair of watching the plight of Palestinians, Katie Willis Evans writes, we who are safe and sleep soundly at night, we have so many risks we can take. Might we risk being amazed? They were all amazed, the story tells us. Amazed at this new teaching. Amazed at this exorcism of oppression. So can we stop fighting about what it means to be unclean? Can we stop fighting wars? Can we stop feeding the gods of militarism, capitalism, and religion? Can we focus on what it would be like to be amazed at just the possibility of liberation? The world is full of oppression, but it is also full of us, the power of God inside each and every one of us that fights even harder to get out in our own bodies that then spills over into our systems and into our politics. Can you imagine that? We have the capacity to change. We have the capacity to evolve. We have the capacity through solidarity and our steadfastness to the promises of God to see the world free to be absolutely astonished by what happens when we're all liberated. Does anybody remember the first word you spoke when you were a baby? Or maybe the first word your grandchild spoke or your nephew? My youngest daughter Larkin's first word was, wow. <laughs> I know, I'm not lying. We were in the school lobby outside a performance of her other siblings and Elliot this week, so as not to disturb their production. You know how it is, take the baby out. And Larkin was babbling away as any 15-month-old does. She has a lot of words. 
The school officer noticed. She does, I said back. What was her first word? The officer asked. Wow. I responded, wow. She replied, ah, then she is loved. She concluded, I know. That comment has stayed with me all week. Because it's a whole sermon, right? Our astonishment at liberation, at being free from that which demonizes and causes us to be less than human, is ultimately a sign that we are loved. This life that we're called to, the world we're called to create, is rooted in love. Love is our foundation, our reflection, our quest, and our call. That we are wowed is a reflection of our belovedness. That we are amazed is a sign that we are loved. And we are. We really, really are. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, friends. To learn more about Middle Church, visit middlechurch.org. You can help grow this movement of love and justice by rating us on Apple or Spotify and by sharing this episode with a friend or two. Send us an email at info at middlechurch.org if you have any questions or comments. We hope you'll come back next week. Bye for now.